uh, the first trade show we did, there were eight popcorn brands that we counted at that show. Uh, and it was only a, a small show. So, you know, it was a huge number. And we actually went back to that show uh, in September last year. And there were three. Um, there were three popcorn brands. So it just kind of goes to show that um, these, a lot of these, uh, particularly some of the startup brands that maybe haven't really thought about the proposition or how the, the, the flavors are going to be different, uh, have kind of come and gone and they've just not really gained much traction. Welcome back to the show and that's today's guest talking about competition and persistence. Hey, it's me Karthik and I'm here to help you find your mission, grow your business and stand out in the crowd. Welcome back to the show where I sit down with gutsy entrepreneurs, artists, creatives who swim against the tide, dare to follow what shines brightest, to create experiences, start movements and change the world every single day. If you're listening to the show for the first time, do consider subscribing. I love to see you inside your ears or perhaps in your car speakers with insightful conversations every single week. And thank you for doing that. In last week's episode, we had a young entrepreneur from Barcelona who is set out to competing in a highly dormant industry that's not changed much in over four decades. The hand sanitizer industry is ruled by some of the biggest companies that we've known. If you haven't listened to that conversation yet, please make sure you do after you listen to today's episode. The entrepreneur we had in last week's episode is Andrea Lisbona and you can find the episode at designyourthinking.com slash S2E18. That's season two, episode 18. All right, today I'm super stoked to introduce another entrepreneur who, along with his cousin, started a business of making popcorn in the UK. Sam Feller and his cousin Laura Jackson quit their corporate jobs a few years ago to start making and selling gourmet popcorn in the UK. But it made me curious why the two decided to start a popcorn business on the first place. Isn't there a lot of popcorn already? But a simple Google search made me understand how wrong I was. This all-American snack has been exploding in the UK since 2017 with sales over 150 million pounds and that's roughly about 200 million in US dollars. So I decided to invite Sam Feller to the show to discuss the genesis of their business Popcorn Shed and the state of the industry they are in today, how they started the business with no background whatsoever in food or snacks. But before we jumped into the episode, here is a quick word of support. Think about this. Back in the early 2000s, a lot of creative business owners started using MySpace to showcase their work and also grow their businesses. Jim was one of them. But in just a few years, Facebook arrived and a lot of their businesses, including Jim's, found themselves in a deserted place and had to literally start from scratch. Jim lost all his leads, customer contacts and everything else he had going on in, inside of MySpace. Now this is bound to happen when you rent a place like a social media platform to grow your business and brand. Here is something I want you to consider. Take full control of your business and your brand. Bring all your customers and leads into your own website 
and you can do this all by yourself without having to spend thousands of dollars on a web agency. Thrive Membership by Thrive Themes can help you do just that. You can have a website completely from scratch in just a few hours. Thrive Membership comes with a ton of ready-made design templates, lets you collect email addresses and also comes with 11 powerful tools to build your business presence online. And for all of this, you just pay $19 a month, not a penny more. To learn more about Thrive Membership, head over to designyourthinking.com slash thrive. I use this personally and if you have any questions, do drop me an email to hello at designyourthinking.com with Thrive in the subject line and me or my team will be happy to help you get unstuck. Again, the link is designyourthinking.com slash thrive. All right, let's get into the main show. Let's bring on the music. From the DYT Studios, it's the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show about creators, entrepreneurs, and nonconformists, and the stories behind the decisions they made that completely changed the future of their lives and businesses. And now your host, Karthik. Great, Sam, you know, Popcorn, when I really read about you and the business that you built, I was like thinking, why would really anyone build a business around making popcorn? You know, can you tell me how all of this began? Yeah, sure. Um, This sort of began as a journey um, in uh, very much in a home environment. So actually our business is a kitchen table startup. Um, we started making popcorn at home um, using um, recipes that we, um, you know, some, some were family recipes, mm-hmm. some that uh, we also researched um, from books and online and things like that. Um, so, yeah, we started making popcorn a few years ago now and um, decided to, um, you know, try, try, try our hand at uh, starting a business with it. Interesting. I think let's get into the details. But before we did that, can you quickly introduce yourself and what the business is all about? Yeah, of course. So um, my name is Sam Feller. I um, am the director of the business uh, called Popcorn Shed. We are a gourmet uh, popcorn uh, business based in the UK. Um, I started the business and run it with my cousin. Uh, So um, my cousin's called Laura. We, uh, she's my first cousin. Um, we're very, very close. Always has, have been close as a family. Um, and the business itself, Popcorn Shed, um, supplies, so makes and supplies popcorn to um, to, to, to customers. So uh, both direct to consumers and also we sell into uh, shops. We sell into um, lots of lovely delicatessens and um farm shops and uh, more recently uh, some food service operators, so cafes and mm-hmm. airlines um, and some supermarkets as well. Wow. 
you do all of this and you started off from your kitchen now this is quite quite a story just can't wait to get into the details but just wondering what what were you or your cousin Laura doing before all of this started uh yeah so i was working in the real estate industry i was a um property manager working in in central london for about about 6 years uh, before i started doing this and my cousin Laura she was working as a management consultant for um a large company also in london um which she'd been doing for 6 or 7 years um so you know we both had corporate jobs uh prior to that we'd gone through um the education system we'd both been to university mm-hmm. uh as well and i think we wanted to do something completely different and something that really was a bit more uh we felt a bit more passionate about um and um yeah that's kind of why we arrived at at at, at popcorn interesting i mean um, did did you ever start a business on the side or something before this Yeah so actually both Laura and I um were yeah had on I guess showed entrepreneurial flair from um you know at the time of our 20s so whilst I was working as a property manager uh, in my day job I was also running um like student club nights on the side so um I had a brand which I was marketing we were running two nights um well it started with one night a week mm-hmm. and then it built up to two nights a week um and that business was uh was great you know i would promote these 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 club nights to students um it was all about discount drinks uh, as mm-hmm. student nights tend to be um and i used it was quite simple set up i used to take the door money and the cloakroom money mm-hmm. um and the venue uh you know just to, just at the bar spend um and i built up that business I ran it for about 4 or 5 years wow. um and yeah I was kind of you know working as a a property manager until 5 o'clock and then I'd I'd go out sometimes partying until 3 o'clock in the morning get up uh sorry get to bed and then get up again at 7 o'clock ready for the the, the full day so it was pretty tiring but it, right. it it was it was uh it was really good stuff um and then Laura was so she had a an entrepreneurial journey of her own and she was running also uh, events not not club nights but she used to run um like singles events mm-hmm. uh, and dating of dating events so um like like meals and uh, weekends away where people would get to meet new people and and get together and and mm-hmm. maybe hit it off so yeah wow this is interesting so one thing is clear you seem to have a liking for doing something that solving a certain problem so when you started thinking about starting a business that was completely different from what you were doing in the past were you thinking like oh we love popcorn so we should probably go ahead and make and sell it was it that simple um so i think that um it really came from a place where we wanted to do something that we were passionate about and mm. i think it starts with um probably slightly wider than popcorn it probably starts with food so laura and i both come from uh you know real foodie families mm-hmm. um every event that we used to have when we were younger was centered around food um dinner parties and um you know big family lunches and food was always the main event so i think from a young age we both showed a passion specifically for food um and then popcorn kind of came to us because we both actually independently went to america in gosh 
13, 14 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just saw what the category was doing out there. I mean, popcorn um, is obviously a lot of it's grown in America and they had, they just have this, this huge, much more of a culture for, and taste for the popcorn than the Europeans do historically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just sort of went out there and we were just overwhelmed, completely bowled over by the number of different flavors, the number of different brands, the mm-hmm. exciting packaging. Um, and, you know, it was just a whole other world. And I, I guess we sort of came back to the UK and had a, had a chat and said, you know, we actually looked at it quite closely and we said, well, we want to do, so- you know, we want to do something foodie and, and positive, you know, uh, pop- popcorn is such a positive snack. It's, right. it, it ticked a lot, a lot of our boxes because we really wanted to do something that we were passionate about, but then also um, have, have a positive effect on people's lives and, I guess, bring joy to, to people's lives. And popcorn mm-hmm. tends to have a knack for doing that. I mean, most people associate it with watching films and enjoying the snack, um, you know, sharing it with their friends and family and tre- on treasured occasions. And mm. the fact that we could enhance those, those moments, those special moments with the gift of popcorn, I think is uh, really what attracted us to, um, to, to, to doing the business. Popcorn kernels were made by hand in the 19th century when it was known under the names like pearls or non-pareils in the United States. They got popular during the Great Depression as they were the cheapest at 5 to 10 cents a bag. But this all-American snack started to pick up sales in the UK and as on 2017, it had doubled in value as compared to that in 2013 because the people in UK considered this to be a better snack as compared to what they traditionally consumed, which is potato crisps. Yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, popcorn, um, you know, pr- prior to, to the sort of early 2000s, popcorn was just seen as this snack that you ate in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, you, paid, you paid way too much for it and it was sweet or salty. Um, and in the supermarkets, you'd maybe get one or two different brands, but right. you know the flavors were pretty boring. Um, and you're right, you know the popcorn, you know as a, as a category, popcorn just exploded because people have realised that you know it can be really flavoursome, right. um, and you can you can try all different types of flavors on it. it tastes, they taste great. Um, some popcorn, also a lot of it is quite healthy. So mm-hmm. there's been this, along with this explosion in healthy snacking, popcorn's kind of ridden that wave, that wave as well. So um, you're absolutely right. You know, popcorn's grown massively in, in popularity in the last sort of ten years or so. Right, and I'm sure there are a, a lot of players in the in the popcorn market back in the UK. Can you give me a sense of what was running in your mind when you thought of, you know, starting this popcorn business? Were you kind of petrified with the competition or something? What was running in your mind? Um, I think that we we obviously did a competitor analysis before mm-hmm. we did the business, um, but it didn't put us off. You know, if you have a compelling product and a compelling brand um, and a good proposition, I think there's always space for for one more. Um, and also, a lot of these brands are have turned out to be kind of flash in the pans or mm-hmm. not not there for the long term so yeah when we launched our first uh, the first trade show we did there were eight popcorn brands that we counted at that show mm-hmm. and it was only a, a small show so you know it was a huge number and we actually went back to that show 
uh, in September last year, mm-hmm. and there were three. Um, there were three popcorn brands. So it just kind of goes to show that um, these, a lot of these, particularly some of the startup brands that maybe haven't really thought about the proposition or how the, the, the flavors are going to be different, uh, have kind of come and gone, and they've just not really gained much traction. Um, so, you know, we weren't, yeah, we weren't really daunted by, by, by the competition. And actually, I would say that having competitors, it kind of creates a bit more of a sector for the product because, right. you know, these bar- a lot of buyers, wholesale buyers will be, mm-hmm. you know, bombarded with products every day. And to see five or six different popcorn products being thrown at you every few months, you know, that kind of maybe gives them a bit of a, a push to say, okay, maybe this is a sector we should be looking at a bit more right. closely. Right. And and what was that proposition that you think you have with Popcorn Shed? Yeah, I mean, our popcorns, are, we really focus very much on gifting. So uh, mm. our popcorns are beautifully packaged. Um, our, our sort of signature line is our what we call our sheds. Um, so they're, they're popcorn in a shed-shaped box, um, mm. but they're, they're beautifully designed. They're very colorful. They jump out on shelf. Um, and that, you know, that, that that line of products has been um, very well received, and also our, our other USP, I guess, is that we we you know the take the taste factor. You can never underestimate how important um, taste is for the for, for the speciality food sector. So we just we spend every time we release a new a new flavor, we spend months and months right. um, testing it, perfecting it, making sure that that every single flavor that we have just tastes amazing um and that is i guess in contrast to some of the other um, popcorns that you see around because right. yeah people taste them and it maybe they don't taste as they should or they're not you know they're too sweet or why do you think others are not focusing on that as much as you um i think it's quite hard to do properly oh. um a lot of people maybe new to the sector mistake the production of popcorn to be easy mm. they just think they just uh, fry some corn in some oil and put a powder coating on it and boom you know you're done where actually um there's much more to it than that um to create a really distinctive flavor um wow you know we 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 really focus very much on uh, procuring high quality ingredients uh, we also differentiate ourselves from our competitors by saying that we incorporate texture into our products. So, mm. for example, we do a peanut butter flavor, peanut butter mm-hmm. popcorn, and we have real chunks of peanuts in there. Um, and, you know, chocolate, our chocolate popcorns have real Belgian milk chocolate, which we right. melt on top of the, wow. the caramel corn. So it's, um, it, you know, we really focus on really high quality ingredients a very small batch artisanal process of production. And I think that really stands us out in the market. Wow. I mean, coming from completely different backgrounds, like real estate, what kind of made you focus so much on, on, on these aspects, like the texture, flavor, taste, and all of that? Um, I just think that, yeah, I mean, we did look at the category. We did look at, just saw how many brands were doing, you know, flavors that just didn't taste great um Mm -hmm. that um maybe weren't very well packaged or branded and i thought i think we felt that we could better what was out there um that's really where where the proposition of the of the brand came in 
Yeah, it's interesting that you kind of were able to clearly outline some of those aspects of what makes your popcorn so unique that I'm wondering why people in the competition kind of didn't think about it. You know, you talked about six people to three years back and two now. And that's quite a bit of uh, churn in the market in terms of players. So just made me wonder. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some players that were around at that time and are still around right. and are still growing. Um, and, you know, don't be fooled. We do have competitors mm. um, uh, that, you know, exist. Um, but we offer, you know, we offer a different a proposition um, and we manage to gain market share from some of our competitors based on right. the fact that, you know, our, our flavors do taste better and our packaging does stand out um, and we're, you know, we're, com- you know, commercially, you know, we're commercially priced. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. So what were the most critical things that you were thinking back then that you needed to do in order to kind of validate that the business is going to be a success? Um, I mean, we're in the early stages of the business, um, certainly focus groups were key for us. So um, getting a group of people together to try the different products to make sure that they did taste good. Mm-hmm. So that there was that, that validation that we had a good product. Um, the, the second step after you've got a good tasting product is, of course, um, you know, getting getting a product to market. So getting your branding done. Um, getting all the everything designed. That mm. obviously the the logo and brand identity is the first part, and then the packaging design comes comes next, mm-hmm. um, along with other marketing things like website and trade show stands and things like that. So, did you literally make popcorns and take them to places for people to taste it? I mean, how how do these focus groups work? Yeah, so actually, our first focus group we. Um, so the first thing we did is we, we had these popcorns that we, we made um, from, from home. Mm-hmm. And we thought we would test the idea by going to a, um, a food show and doing a, a focus group. So at the food show, um, we, we bought three flavors along and we, we built a list of people. We asked people, you know, would you be willing to be part of a focus group? And so from that food show, we formed a focus group. And the focus group... Um, met you know it's probably 20 people in a room mm-hmm. um and we got them to try i think five or six different flavors and then also um we had i think three routes of packaging at that time so mm-hmm. we asked them which you know which one do you think you would buy as a consumer mm-hmm. um and and so that that was key in getting in getting feedback and even today you know when we when we're releasing a new flavor we always take it to a show before we actually, um, you know, go and design and, and print up all our packaging for it to make sure that that's a flavor that that people like. A lot of our flavor, flavor right. new flavor inspiration comes from the feedback that we get at, at, at these shows from talking directly to consumers. We do five or six shows a year. We do a number of consumer events. We do in-store samplings now. So we do get quite a lot of feedback and consumers say, oh, I'd love it if you did a, um, you know, a, a salty flavor or something. Mm-hmm. And then it gives us inspiration for, for, for product development down and, the line. And what do they get in return? I mean, uh, what, what's the incent, incentive for them to, for being a part of those focus groups? Uh, free popcorn? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, 
listen, it wasn't a paid-for focus group. A lot of big brands will 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 will, will incentivize by saying, okay, we'll come to our focus group and we'll pay you mm-hmm. for your time. But as a startup brand, we very much bootstrapped it. So we right. just, um, you know, we we just said offer a free popcorn chance to be a part of a startup brand story, um, and that was enough to get enough people to give us some feedback. Hmm. So, so here you were working on focus groups to understand what flavors you should go go about making and testing your branding, packaging, and all of that. Now, I'm sure there are so many other you know moving parts in the puzzle. So, just trying to understand what was most hardest part or, or kind of in hindsight you thought was the place or the part that you spent most of your time on in that first year? Uh, I definitely say production. Um, we had a number of issues with finding uh, somewhere to produce the popcorn. Mm-hmm. So we, we, when we were first starting out, we started making it at home and we mm-hmm. quickly realized that um, it, it was just not going to be doable working from home because popcorn takes up a lot of space mm. it's very messy um and actually it, get, it got to the point quite you know a couple of months in where um we were working out of laura's mother's home and laura's mother said right you know you're not working out of my kitchen anymore you're making too yeah. much of a mess your stuff's everywhere um you, i'm going to put everything in the garden shed mm. uh, and everything all the equipment went into the garden shed all the equipment to pop the popcorn everything that we were using to flavor it mm. uh everyone then started the whole family started saying call, calling it the popcorn shed in the garden mm. and then that's how the name of the business came about so um you know we quickly realized it wasn't doable doing it ourselves so we, mm. we we actually searched for a manufacturing partner quite early on and it took us quite a few months to find a manufacturing partner and then mm-hmm. once we'd found them get them to produce a product that was up to our high quality standards so you know that that took a, quite a number of months as well um, getting the product to market and um yeah you know that 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 was not that was not easy to to find that that manufacturer so how did you really go about where did you look for when you had to look for a manufacturer yeah um so we attended every food industry event that we could. Um, there's, we live in London, so thankfully there's quite a big foodie scene in the capital and mm. um, there's quite a number of events that, that happen. And through those events, we networked with a number of different brands, um, that both startup brands and also very well-known, big, large, established uh, players in, in the food and drink space. Mm-hmm. Um, and through and through that, there's a number of um, contacts that we made that gave that gave us some pointers as to where to look. And the people in the industry tend to know uh, tend to know all the contacts in the industry. So um, I definitely recommend for someone considering finding a, a, a local producer for a, for a product mm-hmm. to go to network really really hard um, to make those contacts and just be really nice to them and see if you can get some information out of them. Um, that's uh, that's what I'd recommend. I mean, every every popcorn brand now in in the UK that we know of will we'll know of uh, every popcorn manufacturer really that is an option uh, in the UK or Europe. So um, uh, networking was key. You know, there are some business directories um, that you can research. 
um, again in in London, we, there's a good resource at the British Library that mm. you can go into their uh, business centre and research directories to find manufacturers of popped snacks or popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all, always Google, um, but Google doesn't always find the right people. So yeah, networking, word of mouth is uh, absolutely key, I'd say. And what I started to notice as I continued to speak with Sam is that there is a significant difference in the way you build a popcorn business from how you build an e-commerce business. A business like Popcorn Shed depended on the kind of retail stores that sold them, where these products were placed, and more importantly, how much the packaging called for consumers' attention. So you kind of figure out how you get it manufactured, not, not do it in your house at least. So you, yeah. you have you have Popcorns being made, you have figured out the branding at least to a great extent. Now... Do you decide to put up, put up a website and uh, sell those popcorn online? So once we had the branding done, uh, we did a first small run of packaging. Uh, we had our first pallet come out of the factory of our uh, popcorn. The first thing we did was we went to a trade fair. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few trade fairs going on around the UK now. The same uh, place where you kind of the did world. the focus groups. No, that was that was a consumer show. So that was really a um, the focus groups w- was was a show where members of the public are invited into a big exhibition hall and they get to try and buy lots of different artisanal foods. This was a trade show, so wholesale buyers coming to a fair and and you know looking at lots of different brands and deciding which brands they wanted to stock in their stores. Mm-hmm. And that was the first thing we that was the first thing we did. And you got entry into, I'm assuming, a few retail stores to have your products placed there. We did. I mean, at, at the show, we got our first orders for uh, first wholesale orders for the products. So these were small independent stores, often mm-hmm. wanting to stock artisanal products that can't be found in the larger stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we made contact with some larger uh, buyers for larger groups that. Um, took a few more months to, 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 to make sales with. But, um, you know, eventually, eventually I think right. two of them ended up buying quite a, a large quantity of, of popcorn, which really helped us in our first few months of growth. Um, right. so, so that was great. So today you have the popcorn being sold both B2B and B2C. Uh, when did, when yeah. did the B2C start to happen? Um, B2C was happening really in our first year. We did get a website together and we, we, we put it online pretty soon after the show. Mm-hmm. So the trade show was in September. We had a, an online presence, I think, go up in October or November. Mm-hmm. And we did make some sales through, through, through our shop online. But like with all startups, getting people to notice that you've got a website is quite uh, a challenge. So, um, you know, we, we realized that you can't just launch a website and expect everyone on Google to find right. it. You've really got to market it and promote it. Right. Um, but no, we started selling also through um, other you know channels like Amazon mm-hmm. quite early on as well, because that, that is really a great platform for, for brands that, um, you know, maybe don't have so much presence on their, on their own website. They can obviously piggyback off of the mighty Amazon where everyone does their shopping. So, uh, right. Yeah. So you and Laura were doing all of this and uh, 
did did at any point you started to feel the heat in terms of uh, the workload and stuff that needed to get done can can you talk about a conversation where things started to kind of fall off your plates so to speak <laughs> yeah i mean i think the first year for any business any new business is really tough because particularly if you're not if you're not familiar with the sector mm. so yeah in our first 12 months we really had a huge amount of work to do um you you do all this work to get your product to market and then you realize okay how are we selling it how are we marketing it mm-hmm. how are we going to get this business to really make some money and um yeah the first 12 months was a huge steep learning curve we had to learn about finance and bookkeeping if you're not mm-hmm. really run a, a proper fast moving goods business you know it's uh right. that that's a whole area we had to learn about marketing and and pr we had to learn about supply chain logistics you know it's fine to sell a product but how do you then get it to the customer so uh, that was that was that was a huge task and um for sure you know we we had some late nights in the first first 12 months in the office until you know 9 10 o'clock at night mm-hmm. um figuring all this stuff out and making sure we were on top of our emails and no, no balls got dropped i think mm-hmm. that was that was that was really tough and um for anyone thinking about starting in the sector i definitely recommend trying to i know it's not always easy but trying to get some kind of work experience at a food company uh, or a food brand before you do it because uh, i definitely think we would have benefited from that and and maybe made less mistakes and saved a bit of time interesting so somewhere i read when i read about your business i realized that you know year 1 you kind of made about 100000 pounds in turnover and then year 2 you improved by 50% and then again year 3 which was last year you were expecting to double it what were the high points that led to that growth of 50% from first year to second year and doubling from second to third yeah i mean we i think we started exporting in our sort of in our second year which has just um been quite key for our business so mm-hmm. popcorn has a universal appeal everyone um, i mean not not everyone but 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 a, a lot of um countries particularly in europe it's a big market for us mm-hmm. they are familiar with popcorn and they get the product so exports been key to increasing our turnover we've we started selling in the UK and then uh, you know a year or two later i think we have a presence now in about 10 different countries nice. uh m- many of them are a uh, european based so mm-hmm. yeah exports been been key for us we also had a couple of large clients um that came on board some kind of high street retailers uh in in the UK that have a number of stores and then when you get a big listing like that it's it's really important for a small brand because it it has a big effect on your turnover and obviously can 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 have a huge impact on the visibility of the brand um yeah. in fact so yeah in fact yeah, t- tell it. tell us about that i mean who was your first large scale retailer that came on board and what was that experience like when you got an email or whatever it is from them and things started to work out um so at the first show we attended we within a week of the show we had an email come in from 
Harrods department store, mm-hmm. um, which actually isn't a huge, huge customer by turnover, but 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 it's very prestigious. I mean, Harrods is the most prestigious department store in the UK. Its brand is very well known across the world. So mm-hmm. they ended up being one of our first customers, actually, and they're still a customer today. Um, so I think that was a real moment where we thought, okay, you know, we're a brand new brand and we've managed to get a listing with one of the biggest, most prestigious mm-hmm. department stores in the UK. So that was a real pat on the back to, to um, I guess, validate that we had a, a viable product, mm-hmm. a viable and a sellable product. Um, and then at the show, the first show that we did, uh, we ended up meeting a uh, buyer from a department from a from a chain of department stores in the US and Canada and mm-hmm. um, they're called TJX so they mm-hmm. own a number of american brands like home goods home sense um TJX stores or oh, sorry TJ uh, TJ Maxx stores uh, and win, uh, winners in Canada and a couple of others and they ended up placing uh, an order uh, it was about half a container's worth of popcorn, um, which for anyone that doesn't know what a container is, a small, a small shipping container um, is uh, worked out to be five or six stacked pallets of popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was great as well. Again, another validation that we had, that we had something on our hands. That was our sort of first export order. And then um, our export business has really grown since then. So, yeah. Um, so that, I guess that was, it's just a huge, the feeling right. when you get when you get one of these big retailers as a small brand trying to make your way is fantastic. You know, Absolutely. you just feel it's elation. Really, it's just it's it, I can't underestimate the importance of of this of these types of uh, these types of clients for a small company. Right, excitement is what keeps you going. But as somebody who's like running a business, your attention is getting scattered across multiple aspects of your business. Right, I mean the product. Uh, supply chain like you said there's so many moving parts is there one thing that you are working today that you are super excited about yeah we've got a fantastic um, pipeline of new products coming out this year so um, last year we relaunched our range we went from having three flavors to seven flavors this year we're going from having seven flavors to ten flavors um we have some new gift lines coming out, which are really um, geared for for Christmas sales. And uh, anyone that's uh, listening to this closer to Christmas will um, uh, check our website, and they'll be available there. So we're we're super excited about those. We think there's going to be huge potential there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm really excited about just scaling the business. So we've got new product lines coming out, and uh, we're increasing our, our our sales every year organically. Um, so, you know, we have, um, big, big, bigger staff team now as well. So, um, going out and, and actually winning, winning sales and attending trade shows and things is all part of the, all part of the business. But yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about these new products that are coming out. I think they're real game changers and, um, will be really successful and, uh, you know, we'll see, but, um, yeah. What does success mean to you? Uh, and yeah, it's a really hard question to answer being so early stage. I think having a well-recognized brand would be, um, something that to be really proud of. Um, I think if you were to walk down the street, 
now and ask 100 people, have you ever heard of this brand Popcorn Shed? Mm. You'd probably get 99 out of 100 saying no. Um, you know, and if you walk down the street and ask the same question to 100 people, do you know this brand Coca-Cola? I think mm. you'd, you'd, you'd probably, you know, you'd get 100 people saying, yeah, I know it. So I think having that, that recognizable brand um, and, and growing it into really a, a not, not a household name, but just a recognizable name in uh, in the UK is is probably what what we're aiming for um, in terms of where the brand can go. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess personally, I'd like to see the business um, you know flourish and continue increasing in size and uh, inc- increasing in sales. So Sam, if you had this chance of sitting with the Sam Fuller that you were 10 years back and sharing some words of wisdom, what would it be? Oh, that's a question. Um, I would say don't be afraid to try something new. Um, don't worry if it doesn't work out because you could try again at something else. Um, and I would say don't ever doubt your your abilities, uh, your talents, and, um, you know, just go out there, make mistakes, uh, try things, see what, see what you like, see what you're good at, and you'll, you'll figure it out. Don't, don't sweat, you know, don't be, don't be too hard on yourself. Wow. Were you, were you at any point like that 10 years back? Uh, I certainly think in my, yeah, in my early 20s, I didn't have the confidence I have today, for sure. Um, I think it's something that's definitely grown. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Uh, I would like uh, um, the team, the Popcorn Shed team, to have grown to, say, nine or ten people working full-time. I would mm-hmm. like the brand, as I say, to be much more well-known. Uh, I may have, would like to have some physical presence on the high streets mm-hmm. so you know a popcorn shed shop or a kiosk or something like that um, maybe in a couple of key locations uh, I'd like to have a much broader product portfolio and do things that aren't just um, you know giftable lines for Christmas maybe some other um, some other types of products at other times during the year as well so I think that's the that's where we, what we want to take the business uh, in the future and that's what we're striving towards that was Sam Filler he's the co-founder of Popcorn Shed where he his cousin and their team are trying to rethink healthy snacks and redefine happiness with popcorn if you've been thinking of starting a food business, let me know what you learned from this conversation. Are there questions that you have that I could have possibly covered? Do send them to me by email. Or perhaps simply connect with Sam and check out what he's doing. And of course, send him your questions too. I'll have all the links handy for you in the show notes, which you can access at designyourthinking.com slash s 2 E19. That's season two, episode 19. And now it's time for a quick sneak peek into what's coming up next week just for you. It's become very popular to talk about pivoting. Um, 
and but I think there is a level of sticking to it. And and I, I there's a uh, the culture is a little different. I, I think you can really I can tell the clients who are starting a business because they're passionate about it and they want to they want to make something better from the clients who think like, you know what, I see an opportunity here. I'm going to jump into this market. I'm going to grow this brand and sell it. <laughs> and those ones like, you know, you could you could uh, you could fail at doing something you're not passionate about. Right. But if you fail at doing something you are passionate about, you still have already succeeded. And so, uh, you know, I think that's the, the, the I guess the most important thing is to just really believe in what you're doing. And, and I think people are smart, right? Consumers can tell at some point they'll figure it out. <laughs> That was Michael Dutolo. He's a designer who worked with big brands like Nike, Google, and Intel. His interest in design started way back when he was a 13-year-old, when he was interested in drawing stuff from the future. He worked directly with people like Michael Jordan in designing the famous Jordan shoes. And I just cannot wait to share this amazing conversation about passion, design, working with brands, and so much more. And I just don't want you to miss out on that either. To make sure that you don't miss out, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to the show right now. No matter what podcast app you use, just click subscribe. If you are listening to this episode right now from your computer, you should see a little subscribe button right on the player itself. So if you like this episode and the show, please go ahead and leave me a rating and review in the iTunes store. Now, if you are on an Apple device or you have one at your disposal, just open your Apple device, go to the browser, whichever it may be, type designyourthinking.com slash iTunes, and that will open the podcast inside your iTunes app and just go there and leave me a rating and review. I truly appreciate it. And do me a favor, leave your Twitter or Instagram handle right there, and I will love to DM you and thank you in person. The show is also available on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Stitcher, every single podcast app that you can find around. Just type designyourthinking.com slash Spotify or slash Google Play or slash Android or slash YouTube or slash Stitcher and that will open the show right inside your favorite app. I appreciate you taking the time today till I see you with the next episode. Take care and cheers my friend. <laughs>